I wanna be an engineer So freaking bad Optimize the things I've always had Engineering IRL Hello everyone and welcome to the Sario Dev Show Engineering IRL where I take you through engineering concepts and go through how to apply it to real life in today's episode. This is episode 21. We're going to be picking up where we left off on the previous uh, episode, which was Networking 101. So I guess that makes this Networking 102 or 201. Let's go with 102. Um, And like usual, we'll just go straight into the topic. I'll explain a little bit more and then we will um, bring that back to to applying it to some 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 part of your life. So, first one is that when we uh, to cap off last episode, where we ended there was we talked about how within a network, how devices talk within a network. Okay, the entire part of last episode was how devices talk within a network. For a frame of reference, this is uh, these are systems talking on layer two. I'll cover layers in a second. And it covers, yeah, how do devices talk within a network? So routing comes in. The purpose of routing is when you want two different networks to talk to each other. So imagine your house is one network and you, all your computers connected to it are on that one network. If you want to talk to your neighbor and they have a LAN as well, then um, you would have a router that allows talking between those two LANs. Okay, so let me uh, add some more definitions here first. Um, last time when we talked, um, on layer two, all devices talk on by the, via the MAC address. There's a physical address on every network port. What we're gonna finally get into is IP addresses. So you, in the networking protocol, you are assigned an IP address, okay? That's your net. Um, that's your unique address within a network, and every single device is assigned an IP address. You have an IP address set, and a similar thing happens where you say, "Hey, I want to talk to so and so IP address." Okay, that goes out to a. If it's not already on your network, it goes to a gateway. The gateway in this scenario is your router, and he'll check his list. Of those IP addresses and check if someone uh, if he knows someone that has that address so in our scenario with the two houses what you have is both networks are connected to the router the router has an address on both sides so every time he sends packet to the router the router goes oh, I know where he is sends it to the device on the other end cool hunky-dory that was easy so that's his purpose but now you might say okay cool that's his purpose. How do I relate that back to all the, the packet switching stuff we talked about yesterday with that picture of the switch? Well, this is where layers come in, okay? There's a thing called an OSI model, you can look it up. But to be honest, it kind of confuses me. Like from a learning perspective, it's confusing. I think it detracts from the learning, okay? The important part is, what happens is once the router has determined who he wants to talk to in terms of the IP address, 
the packet itself, the, the data is contained at layer two. Okay, let's the packet itself. Okay, well, it's part of the mechanism. So, so some form of, um, okay, let's go straight to um, the layers. Layer one is your physical layer. For two devices to talk, there needs to be a physical medium for them to talk. So you need a cable between the two devices. Um, that's layer one. And layer two is um, all the networking stuff we described in the previous podcast. Okay, packet switching via MAC address. Cool. Layer three is when we get to the IP world where all the IP addresses are assigned. And for two things to talk on layer three, they both need to have IP addresses in the same network, in the same subnet. Now, one way to think of it is, okay, so imagine you have a, um, a candy, piece of candy. This, this is gonna be our layer one, piece of candy, and that contains, um, what you do is you have one piece of candy, and somewhere else you have another piece of candy, okay? On each piece of candy, you can write some information on it. And as long as you have candy on one side and candy on the other, um, you can read the text of both candy. Just bear with the example. Okay, so you have a piece of candy. As long as you, you have two pieces of candy, one on each side. As long as each side matches, then you can have communication. Then you can read what's written on the candy. Cool. So now that we established, okay, we got two matching candies, and I can talk, I can read the text between them. That's layer one. Okay, layer two. Now you get a piece of wrapper, and you wrap the candy on each side, and you write additional information on that piece of paper on each side. Okay, so now this time when you switch the candies, okay, when they've made the information exchange, you remove the wrappers, okay, and as long as the wrapper type matches, you can understand what's what's the text at that layer. You can you can you're allowed to read it. And then similarly, now that you've unwrapped it, the candy still match your good. Okay, but before you wrap, the candies had to have been exchanged. So that means layer one has to be established <clears throat> before you can wrap the candy in the first place. So now that layer one's been exchanged. Um, i.e. the candies have been done before, we know the candies are matching types. We've done a layer two wrap, we've wrapped it, put information on layer two, and they can exchange. So now we've established layer two communications. So this switching of the candy is representing the communication. Layer three is another candy wrapper on top of the first wrapper. So, you, so you've, you've got your candy, you wrapped it once, you write some information, you wrap it again, you write information on that. This is layer three. Now, similarly, you make sure those two wrappers match. You switch the candy, you take off each layer, and then you'll see each layer matches. Layer three to layer three, layer two to layer two, to layer one to layer two, one. Now, you can imagine with this example, if I'm focusing on layer three to talking to layer three, I don't care if layer two, what layer two looks like, or what layer one, what type of candy is inside. At some other step, the candy matched, someone did the matching for the candy and there was information exchange. Someone did the matching for layer two. Someone's job is to look at the second layer, uh, the, sorry, the layer one wrapping and match that. 
if I'm interested in layer three, when when I come along and get the candy package, unwrap it, unwrap it, unwrap it, I get just the layer three wrapping and I read that. I don't care layer two or layer one, how it happened, how it got there. And then so on and so forth to layer four, five, six, seven. That's the point of what they're trying to discuss with the, the, um, the uh, OSI model. So imagine at layer three, so for some reason your wrappers don't match. For some reason, communication doesn't work. Normally with troubleshooting, you should be focusing on your layer, but you should consider when troubleshooting the layers below it. Maybe they didn't do their job correctly. That's why your layer three packet doesn't look right. Um, simpler way to explain it is if two devices are talking, well, maybe there's no cable pointing, right? But that's just for the troubleshooting side. So forget layers, we're at networking now. We're just talking about two devices talking over IP, okay? Now you might ask, well then, I don't remember assigning my IP anywhere. I've seen that on the interwebs or whatever. When you connect to a network, a Wi-Fi network, right? Once you've already connected and you can reach the internet, if you type ipconfig in the command prompt, you can see your IP address, great. <clears throat> that was assigned to you by a protocol called DHCP. So upon connecting to the network, some Papa device decides he's gonna take you under his wing, and then um, what he does is he'll take you under his wing and he'll assign you an IP, he'll give you one. Okay, that's how you got that IP. Now, how can you check that, that you got it automatically or manually? Um, if you're a Windows user, you're gonna type, you're gonna press Windows R, then type N, N for Nelly, ncpa.cpl. Press enter, you get taken to your network settings, go to the properties of your network card, and you'll see that what's selected is automatically assigned my IP address. Cool, in your command prompt window, when you type ipconfig slash all, you'll see your IP address, you'll see your gateway on that same thing. That was what was assigned to you because you've got settings as automatically assign it to me. Now in theory, you could switch that automatically assign my IP address to manual and manually type in the exact same settings that you just saw in your command prompt window and it'll probably still keep working. Okay, so DHCP is, means it's actually assigned to you but in theory let's say you're in charge of your own device when you connect to another network it's because you're not in control of that network but at your home network for example in theory you can manually assign the IP address to every single device you could um, in most scenarios you want the dynamic assigning but you could you could statically design everything so everything's got an IP address everything's got a place and a purpose to talk to each other that's static design but you typically won't with a home router because you want ease, you know? Half of these things that happen that seem like magic is just because there's an automated step behind the scenes to make networking easy for you. So you don't even have to think about the word networking. Okay, but now we take out all the pieces, you learn, okay, hang on, this is just manually packet switching and we can see evidence of that throughout this whole process. So now let me bring, bring something back a, a little bit to the real world. So you have your home network router, okay? You're connected into the internet. You know this because you can go and type in www.google.com in your browser and get a website. Here's 
here's the here's the thing. If you so you can find out what your IP address is on the internet. Okay, so on the internet, imagine the internet as one big network. It isn't, but that's not important for now. Imagine as one big network with millions of computers connected to it. Okay? You are one of the machines connected to the internet. Now you might go, okay, well, what's my IP? That means I would need an IP address on the internet. Correct. You're going to go to um, find my IP. Or you can just Google what is my IP address. And it'll come back and tell you what your IP address is on the internet. They might call it a your public IP address, or your internet-facing IP address, but likely it's your public IP address. It's not. There's no public or private IP. It's 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 just your IP address on the internet. Okay. If you ping that from anywhere in the world, they will reach your internet source. And same thing. Like you can ping. 8.8.8.8, right? For Google servers, you don't. You, when you ping via www.google.com or whatever, that is what's called a DNS. It assigns a name, but at the end of the day, underneath it all is IP addresses. Okay. Now, let's bring it back. We did what's my IP? What's my IP? Right? You looked on that website and it gave you some like. 202.984. some weird thing or 165. Dot some address that doesn't it looks strange because when you go back to your computer that's con that you did connect it to the internet off of your IP address was 192.168.1.19. So you go, hang on, what does this mean? How come the IP addresses work like this? So I'm gonna teach you something about uh, it's called NAT. Network address translation, and this is what basically everyone's home routers are doing. So imagine that we're back at the internet picture. Imagine the big network. The internet's a massive switch with hundreds of millions of devices connected. Okay, hundreds of millions of devices connected. Now you can imagine the IP address scheme, or how do people manually do this, or do we assign IPs? Like, it gets overly, overly, overly complicated, and. Just because you want to connect to the internet doesn't mean you want every device in your home network to be, talk to be directly talking to the internet. It gets too complicated. So this is where a network address translation comes in. Your router, okay, when you plug it into the wall, also is assigned an IP by someone called your internet service provider, the ISP. ISP assigns your router an IP address, a public IP address, you know, an internet IP address. And what your router's job does is every time you talk to the internet from your one computer, it does this thing where it does a network address translation. It talks on behalf of your computer as the public IP address. So to the internet world, to the devices on the other side, they just see an, a request coming from an IP, which is your router but really was a uh, request from your computer, but the internet doesn't care. It just gets an IP and goes, okay, this type of packet and this service is being requested. We'll send it to another IP who's hosting that service or has the reply. And the reply's back. Then your router's smart enough to go, hey, uh, this is a packet that I sent before. I'm going to forward this onto um, laptop one instead of laptop two. So then your next person connected to your local network sends the same request, it goes to the public internet on the same public IP address 
the request comes back, your router takes care of sending it to the correct laptop that's connected to the network. How he does that, you can Google further um, network address translation, but essentially that's what's happening. And so one other advantage is, for example, in my house I have 192.168.1.1 and I assign uh, that whole IP range. In another network next door, I assign the exact same thing, but I don't talk between the networks. Like, I don't care about the stuff that's on the other guy's network. So I can have a whole duplicate of the private, so we're calling a private network now, your local LAN is your private network. You can assign a whole IP range that someone else already has in their local network, but you're never gonna talk to them directly over the network. You're gonna use your public internet IP to talk to the other network's public internet IP on that big network, on the internet network. And so you can see, it doesn't matter what's the IP scheme, the IP address is used underneath. In fact, the communication never happens on that level. The internet doesn't know, the internet doesn't care. Does it make sense? So just because I'm 192.168.1.1, a specific IP, in network one, talking to 192.168.1.1 on network 2, usually that won't work, but when your network it just translates to a whole different network, both networks have done that, to be on a different network. Then when they talk to each other, they're just talking to each other as different devices, you know? As that public IP to public IP. Does it make sense? doesn't make sense? Great. Now, <laughs> um, so now you've established, okay, this is how kind of the internet works. The reason why I say that with the internet, like imagine as one big network, in theory, now you can imagine with IPs and networks, you can make it as infinitely long uh, as possible, as in the number of networks in between to get to your final network can be as long as it needs. It can be any length. You don't know. For example, type into your command prompt, Windows R, type CMD, and type T-R-A-C-E-R-T, -E trace route, okay? Trace, T-R-A-C-E-R-T, -E space, and then type 8.8.8.8, google.com. And you'll see um, a route, so it'll tell you every router, every jump of network before you get to google.com, before you get to 8.8.8.8. And you should see a jump to your home network, uh, your router, i.e. your gateway IP address. Then you'll see a jump to your ISP. So your ISP might have two to three jumps before it finally gets to Google. And you'll see there's actually five or six networks your little packet traverses just to hit the 8.8.8 server. And the speed that your packet goes out and comes back in, that's your ping. Okay, if you're a gamer out there and you're like, oh, I have low ping, it's basically you're saying the speed that my packets go out to that website and comes back is slow. That's essentially what you're saying. All right. So now you've got uh, dynamic IPs. You're able to talk to the network. You understand a little bit about routing. We understand NATing. This is that link between how I understood my local network and switching versus how the actual internet works when I open a website. Okay, talks on the public IP, goes out, does its thing, comes back, goes to the right laptop. And now you can imagine a website is actually layer seven. You've got wrappers, wrappers, wrappers of information. 
all the website is is a bunch of text coming back to your computer your computer understands how to read the text and display it onto your page that's it it's a text file every website you see in the world is really just a text file cloud computing text file on someone else's computer but that's all you're doing it's a text file from the internet that gets interpreted to look pretty for us humans so it's nothing more complicated than transferring a text file between two machines. Okay. You can do that in your local network as is, pass a text file, a little bit of a string character. So now let's go to the uh, fun part of the show. How can I relate? What is this got to do with real life? What can I take from learning the concept of networks, routing, and the internet to my real life? Well, it's very simple. There's two things here. First thing I want you to consider and take away is are you a person that gets assigned your identity, your IP? Okay, just because of the place you go to, the work you go to, the school you go to, or whatever you've done in your life. Or do you assign your own IP and go from there? The second thing to consider is, I just explained how um, on the internet, you get a public facing IP address, but underneath it, you could be a laptop it could be a uh, desktop computer, it could be a Mac, it can be, a, it can be anything. It can be an iPad, it could be a dumb device, smart device, doesn't matter. If a request goes out on the internet to a service or product or whatever it is, the internet will make the exchange of the communications. It does not care about what device is on one side and what the device is on the other side. Is it a server? Is it someone's phone? Is it just a text file on someone's computer? Doesn't matter. As long as you say, I'm this IP address, and I offer this service, the internet doesn't care. It allows the communication. Okay, this will tie into firewall, firewalls and how you secure it, but we can do a security one later on. Okay, the internet does not care. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't need to reveal what type of device you are or anything. If I'm really a server or just a Pentium or whatever, it doesn't matter. Similarly to your real life, the internet doesn't care. If you are offering a product or service, the internet doesn't care who you are, what your name is, your height, you know, the color of your eyes. It doesn't matter. So if you have a product service or piece of content you want to share, you need to do it because the internet doesn't care. Nothing's stopping you. So no more excuses. Don't let anything hold you back. The era now is that anyone can do it. You don't need to be a big company. The internet, when you visit a website, you don't know for sure if it's a big company behind it, a single person, double people, you don't know. Quite frankly, you don't care. The variable is the quality of the product, service, or content. You look at a web page, you look how pretty it looks, and you go, oh, this looks professional, done. You have equal chance as the biggest corporations out there. The variable is your content your quality okay of the product or service so go out there and do something with that being said i'm going to wrap up the episode there hopefully you learned something about networking and routing and, and thinking about how the way the current world works everything works on this big internet thing so don't waste an opportunity if you want to get in contact with the show or there's a topic you want to cover we have a couple of uh, requests for some topics coming up and they're around virtualization and machine learning um, and things like this 
so I'll get to those episodes soon. If the request comes in, they take priority over the topics that I was going to cover. Um, so as always, subscribe or share it with a friend or let someone know about this if it helps you in any way. And uh, thanks for listening. everyone and welcome to the Saria Dev Show Engineering IRL where I teach you engineering concepts and their application in real life. Now there's been a little bit of a hiatus obviously from uh, this episode and previous episodes and uh, this episode was going to focus on uh, just providing a little bit of an update and then what kind of content to expect what's coming up next and basically the update is the hiatus was due to just personal things and changes around me and things like this. Um, and also it gave me time to also do more engineering. So obviously there's more to uh, more situations that arise and more than I can um, comment on, let's call it. Um, so moving forward, if, if you're not part of the Facebook page, uh, well, you should go and uh, follow that now because that'll be the best place to get uh, kind of live updates. But I'll be setting up the um, engineers page, IRL engineers group, Facebook group. And the idea will be I'll get a few engineers in on it and we can get some real questions and real discussion going around certain topics, kind of by engineers for engineers kind of, kind of idea. So that'll be something I'll try set up in 2019. Um, uh, another update is uh, we obviously the goal of the show really is um, engineering discussions and getting people like kind of letting them in on engineering ideas if you're not an engineer as well um, and then also helping you on your engineering journey but that journey starts from when you're a baby essentially and so ideally you know I, I, uh, I've got uh, my son on the way and I'll be bringing, you know, there's some content out there or basically there's some books there that that we, that we I have in line to, to kind of read with him um, as he grows up. But there's also a, a large gap, yeah? It's like engineering is taught when you're a lot older because, you know, a lot of the basis for you to learn engineering is really, you need a, a large basis of knowledge heading into that, including in math and science. But... I believe that the concepts underpinning all of that, all of, all of the engineering topic can be taught from a very young age. Um, just not in the way that you would have taught it to, a, to an older student. You know, they don't need to solve calculus to understand engineering because, you know, as when engineers come out of uh, university, you know, they have all these tools and all these little techniques and things like that, yet not one of them can solve a problem. Right, it's these extra pieces and, and, and considerations that uh, you know when you when you enter as an engineer and you and you grow as an engineer, you develop over time that that I think will be um, valuable. And then also, um, I think learning the concepts, even if you don't have the uh, complete detail yet, is actually super powerful. What happens a lot is you will learn 
the details of how to do something really technical but you don't actually have a grasp of the underpinning concepts why you're even doing that thing right what this tool is actually helping because you come out of uni and you say well i learned all this stuff how much of it do i apply in the real world and i see that question all the time on on reddit and things like that and uh, and the answers you see in the you know in the in the responses from most engineers is unless you're doing like an actual you know mathematical proofing of something which is rare because once we prove the math behind something it's only really simulation and checking then rarely is the answer rarely you use that that level of detailed manual math to do anything so where's the practical wisdom in that where's the practical skills to apply so obviously i'm big on uh concepts what i've also done in the gap from this episode and the last episode was i really learned a lot about well a lot relative to me just reading it on the side but about um kind of new neuroscience philosophy um psychology all those kind of topics you know and how we learn and, and what we do and there's a lot of um things that i would like to kind of uh, or concepts i'd like to stretch out you know some some engineering ideas and the other thing that i'd want to do is kind of address um what i see a lot in media and things like this is discussions about all sorts of stuff system is broken you know uh what's the solution to xyz and you know the if if you translated the way that some of these solutions or the way that some of these systems were were examined fixed critiqued you know to an engineering system or to uh to an engineering solution you cringe people don't know how to solve problems right or they found a solution and then they build all of their assumptions around that if you're in engineering you know that there's no, defining solutions is easy and there's not just one solution there's heaps the problem is never just finding a solution that would work almost every solution there, there there's at least one that's really expensive right so so it's a weakness that we have and 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 big systems and big ideas are built upon uh these these basics of engineer of of sort of um problem solving skills that i think we we overlook the the engineering approach to solutions because it's either just too logical or it's seen as for like something that's really technical advanced or just for robots or whatever just for like you know ones and zeros systems which there is but there is a way to kind of uh, shift it and apply it to 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 something broader that's what i believe but i will kind of follow that up and and um expand on it through uh you know let's call it season 2's set of podcasts um and then that'll probably formulate the basis for um a book that i'm intending to uh release and to write it's still in the works i'm thinking it'll be something like um uh 12 engineering rules for life kind of like a, a play on um you know the 12 rules for life book um but instead of it being an antidote to chaos it might be i don't know like better problem solving or something like that we'll we'll work on that but 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 as i write it i'll explore some of the ideas in some of these episodes that i'm thinking are relevant 
and and you'll see. I think it's I think it's going to be really cool. Um, the other thing is that I've started writing uh, children's learning books. So, like I mentioned earlier about the um, children, you know, your engineering journey starting young. One of them I wrote was it's called Count on Me. Okay, Count on Me. One, two, three. It rhymes as well, so it's nice and cute. It's got a picture that um, kind of teaches counting. So what my theory is is that is to you know children learn concepts so quick, so quick, and so when we teach our kids to count, uh, we teach we arbitrarily uh, we arbitrarily teach them just counting. You know, say out loud one. This is two. This is three things. This is four. Just count, 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 count. Which is still useful. Obviously, you have to build something, right? You have to start with something. Um, and then what I realized is as you kind of get older, you start to learning, you know, addition and subtraction, and then you learn negative numbers. And, and a tool that helps is the number line. And the number line, you know, goes all the way through from that basic kind of geometry to calculus to like really, you know, integration. Then it goes like any technical application, the number line is just a foregone conclusion. You have it, right? And so... I believe that you can learn the, you should learn counting with the concept of the number line already in mind, not just, you know, you, you, you've learned to arbitrarily count, then later through school you learn, you, you use the number line as a tool. I think number, the number line is a underpinning concept that, that already tells you numbers go backwards and not from the sense of thinking of it as, you know, you've learned to count and here's this sphere of things you know. And then you go, oh, but also there's another magic sphere. This is why people think like, uh, you know, they grow up thinking like math is made up and it's just some dudes that made it up. And, you know, that's not that's not really the full picture. If you think about the concept of how numbers, I know you guys will all know this, but you think about it and then you think, oh, yeah, the line goes backwards, too. And you kind of follow all that through like that concept makes a lot of sense. It's not that hard, right? So I think putting that in from the beginning, the kids, got, you know, I did the kind of, um, like I did the illustrations as well. It's kind of like, you know, this line and it has bumps and the bumps are what you're counting. And then that line keeps, you know, goes forwards and backwards and up and down and you're counting the bumps in all these directions. Just introducing these concepts. Obviously, it's not like a study book. But, you know, we already, if you, if you question like, why would you teach some of these more, I don't know, difficult concepts? And I'm going to build, you know, this is the first in a series, but... Why would you teach these complex concepts to kids or try to get that into babies? You teach, you, you read to babies now that their grandmother is going to transform into a werewolf and eat them. Right? And my idea of teaching numbers with higher concepts in mind, I don't think that's the crazy one. Right? Anyway, that's the idea. So I'm going to teach a lot of cool concepts like that. If you have an idea of like a, a complex topic that you'd like kind of translated to a baby level, right? It'd be fun in seeing how I even, if I can even pull it off, um, like alone, that, that alone. But, you know, some things will be like, I don't know, the idea that finding an answer isn't just one answer. I'm thinking of like using that as like pets, pets that are named answer and question. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not that one. Um... But there's, there's quite a few where it's the concept that gets hidden behind all the difficult math that you have to figure out, for example, or a difficult concept you have to figure out. 
So that's the idea. If you have any suggestions, obviously let me know. It's either at sariadev.com or the Facebook page Engineering IRL or at Saryadev for Twitter, Instagram. Cool. So that's the setting. Uh, the last piece of news is I'll try, yeah, I've got to consolidate everything. So there's a lot of different things that I'm working on simultaneously. And I'm going to try to bring them all into this into this uh, engineering IRL sphere. I got I was working with someone that developed a new intro song. So either I'll try that on this episode or in the next episode. And we'll just start refining some of this stuff and bring it all together. Um, also, big thanks to everyone that has listened to this podcast. You know, we went from I was celebrating getting, you know, uh, you know, like fifty odd people listening, and now there's about a thousand people that have listened to the podcast. So, thanks a lot for listening through, uh, and and and, and kind of helping us get to this point. Um, hopefully, we'll build on that and into next year. So, so the hiatus was just we'll call it the end of season one, kind of an idea. For season two, I'll be buying a new microphone. So if, uh, yeah, for the those where the quality wasn't great, um, we'll work on that so that's not a weakness in this. And then, and then go from there. So obviously today's a short, short revision, short episode. Um, and then we'll be back. Either I'll just keep going from this point and treat this as the start of season two, or this will be a let, you know, kind of let alone, um, just a recap for 2018 I've got a, uh, a baby on the way so obviously that's going to dictate my life for the for the foreseeable future in terms of scheduling and things like this um, but aside from that just a big thanks to anyone that's listened or contributed or given ideas you know we've had questions from people and um, people on uh, Twitter and Facebook kind of interact with uh, interact with the uh, engineering IRL idea um, and then just yeah just in case this is the last podcast of the year last episode of the year just a uh, big thank you big shout out to all um a merry christmas and happy new year and happy holidays and all that jazz and i'll be back in 2019 for sure if not i have a few episodes you know dripping through between now and then as well all right thanks